0: Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight incredible women in STEM and discover who they are at home, at work, and everywhere in between. You can find all of our episodes online at podcast.swe.org or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hello, I'm your host, Sam East, and welcome to Diverse, a sweet podcast. Today, we're so excited to have Lyra Reza on the show talking about taking risks and overcoming adversity in STEM career paths. Lyra is an associate director of operations and supply chain for RTX, which is also our sponsor for today's episode. Lyra, I'm just so thrilled to speak with you today to learn more about your career journey get some great advice about taking risks as well as uh, learning a little bit more about RTX and what it's like to work there. So welcome.
1: Thank you, Sam. I am very excited about our conversation today and to be part of this wonderful community
0: that you've created. Well, we always like to start Lyra at the beginning, of course, the beginning of your career, your education. How did Lyra first get started in STEM? And how did you know that this was the career path for you to become an engineer?
1: Yes, well, this is a very interesting story. And the beginning takes me back to Mexico. So I was born and raised in Juarez, which is a a city right across the border from El Paso, Texas. And as I look back, we didn't have STEM as a concept growing up. Mm -hmm. I just honestly never thought about it. And I don't remember role models in engineering or science, yet I was always good at math. And that I remember very clearly because since I was very little, I was part of math competitions. And I I didn't even question about, you know, that maybe this is something that I want to do when I grow up. It's just something that I was good at. So I kept doing it and I was encouraged by my family and professors. Um But what I decided I was going to do when I grew up was to be an accountant because I was good at math. Mm -hmm. And it also happened that uh, back in Mexico, the, the middle school that I attended had some technical focus areas. And one of those was accounting. So in my mind, this is perfect. I've set, you know, my on my path, and I'm going to go down that road and be an accountant. And that's what I did. I enrolled in the university as an accounting major. And then that first or second week in college, we get, we get a letter saying that we had become permanent residents of the United States.
0: Hmm.
1: So obviously that changed my life completely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But even when we came to the States, my, my mom, my dad, I have a younger sister, I chose accounting as my major, and I started in a community college, which was a great way for me to to start my career or my education in, in the United States. It felt like a safer environment. When I transferred to the university, I met a person, the person that changed my life. She was a physics professor, hmm. and she was thrilled with my results in a couple of exams, and she. She asked me to come to her office one day after after one of her classes, and she talked to me about what she did and a couple of opportunities that she had, and she told me that I should be a physics major, and I laugh a little because... <laughs> I I had no idea what I was doing, right? I'm in this new country. I don't know anyone, yet I have this wonderful professor, very smart, very, very bright teacher telling me that I should do this. So I said yes, and that's how I ended up in STEM.
0: Wow. Okay, so the, the things that we love about hearing those origin stories is no two paths are the exact same. And really the theme of today's episode is about taking risks. And as you talked about there, you came to the US, you were 19 years old. Can you share what that experience was like for you? What it really taught you about overcoming adversity about risk taking? Yes, absolutely. Well, when I,
1: when I take time to reflect back to that moment in time, I now realize how stressful it was. But I think at that moment in my mind, you know, my, my parents had just made a great sacrifice. They had mm-hmm. given up a great job mm-hmm. or family just that me and my sister could come to this new country. We didn't mm-hmm. speak the language. We didn't really have anybody to rely on
0: mm-hmm. or
1: even to help me navigate that college um, experience. So it, it really taught me to be self-sufficient, resilient and to embrace. Perseverance. and I was afraid but I I felt and now I know that that wasn't necessarily the truth but I felt like I didn't have the luxury of letting fear
0: paralyze me oh so I would keep going yeah that's and, that's um, interesting though if I may interject because yeah a course. lot of us a lot of us let fear paralyze us but you were able at 19 years old to recognize that and go no, I'm not gonna let fear be the obstacle that holds me back.
1: Absolutely. This is what I tell early career um employees when they ask me for advice. You have to practice because it does get better.
0: And mm.
1: yes, it's it's scary and uncomfortable, but you know, that saying of Practice makes perfect. It is absolutely true because that first year when I um, was enrolled in, in university here in the states, I was embarrassed every day. Um, mm. I I was I didn't like my accent. I felt like such an outsider. Hmm. But, you know, you have you're, you're thinking about the sacrifice that your parents have made and you think about, well, I have to keep trying. I have no option. I have to keep going. So in a way, that was practice for when I face challenges right now.
0: Wow. That I, I was going to ask, how did the experience of, of coming to the U.S. at 19 and starting your career and starting your education, how did all of that impact who you are as a leader, but I'm already getting some insight into how you were so conscious of overcoming fear.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, you know, it's those things you don't necessarily realize when you're young. I felt like I I was on autopilot and I have, you know, talk back to that, to that mentor and and having her in my life because she, she pushed me to do things that I would not have done um, Mm. if it had been up to me. She encouraged me to applied to research internships when I was in college mm-hmm. and that's that's how I got to you know grow my network and and really see what other female students and successful engineers and scientists were doing so that really opened up my eyes to the opportunities And that's how I ended up in the defense industry because one of those research projects was for the Missile Defense Agency. Uh, But when I when I think about some of those challenges and who I am as a leader now, um, I'm not afraid of. I I am afraid of challenges, but I don't let them stop them. And the message that I have is um, that if you look at challenges and risks as an opportunity to learn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then that puts things in different perspectives. And I tell I tell my my some of my team members and those early career employees that as long as there is learning that you can accomplish along the way, mm-hmm. then it's a win because now you know better. So you can do better. Mm-hmm. Right. So it it's 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 doing that 180 mindset and, and looking at challenges as opportunities to learn.
0: For a lot of women in STEM, this fear of failure, of overcoming these challenges, it might be a huge barrier for taking those risks, especially in some spaces that are still more perhaps male dominated, it's easy to sort of go with the the status quo and not take those risks. So, when you are making decisions that involve that risk, how do you approach the possibility that hey, you might not succeed. You might fail at what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, the, the, that's a that's a constant challenge because, um you know, as you progress in your career, the risks are going to feel more challenging. But what I go back to is, what is the worst thing that can happen? Mm. And when you talk through that, right? Yeah. And, and I usually. You know, have somebody else that can bounce ideas off of. And, and we walk through what is the worst thing that can that could happen if mm-hmm. we if we make this decision or if we take this risk. And most of the time you find that there's a lot of good things that could come out of even if you realize that where you end up, it's not where you need to go and you need to pivot. Mm. But. But that that. You know, changing the mindset and thinking about what can I learn out of this? And if you understand the worst outcome, and you know that you can still overcome that and move forward, then it makes things
0: feel a little bit less scary. Do you believe that rejection is redirection?
1: Absolutely. That's another great way to say that. And I have to go back a little bit earlier in my career because this was this was a defining moment for me. I, I started a Ph.D. program hmm. and I sincerely believe that that was my path, right? Early 20s, I'm going to go get a doctorate degree hmm. and I'm going to be in academia. But a year into that, I just knew that it wasn't for me. And I struggled so much making that decision to pivot because i felt like i was going to let people down
0: my mm. family
1: my mentor i had moved across the country to the pacific northwest and a lot of sacrifices being made and i was i was afraid of letting people down but mm. after talking to people that i trusted i realized that it just it just didn't make sense for me and again, looking back at that moment in time, what felt like a major failure in my life ended up redirecting me down this other path. And, you know, now with 14 years professional experience with Raytheon and all of the learning that I've accomplished, mm-hmm. I, I look back at that moment in time and say, it you know, it, it was the right decision.
0: And, you know, you touched on that professor, that physics professor who really pushed you and and made you see things differently. You touched on having that support, having people to bounce your ideas off of. Can you speak to the importance and the benefit to women, specifically women, building up a support network around them to help them through these tougher moments along the journey?
1: Absolutely. I would not be here where I am without the support of mentors, advocates, and my larger network. And I always advised early career employees to go seek that and and to not not put constraints, right, special women on on who those people could be, because I've had a lot of wonderful mentors and it has been eye-opening the things that I've been able to learn from people mm. that are very yeah. diverse. But that network, right? Those mentors and advocates, because those are also very important. Yes. Um, those are going to allow you to find that next opportunity or have the ability to talk through some of the challenges that you're experiencing. And you will find that you are not the only one that feels a certain way. So the the more you share and open up, the more you'll find that people are willing to share that with you and Mm. grow that sense of community, Mm -hmm. right? And feeling less alone, if you will.
0: Mm -hmm. So Lyra, now you are currently serving as an operations and supply chain leader within Raytheon's advanced technology mission area. Can you peel back the curtain for us Uh, What does a typical day look like for you? What kind of projects do you get involved with? That's a great question.
1: I like this question because there are no typical days. And this is what I enjoy most about working in this company. But let me tell you about what I and my team get to do. We are responsible for developing and executing the operations and supply chain strategy for various new products. For example, we get to define what success looks like from a manufacturing and material perspective. How do we make this program successful? How do we make this product successful? And this is where the engineering and the problem-solving skill sets come into play, because we get to think about what are the right manufacturing processes that we can create and define at this moment so that the end product is, affordable, producible, manufacturable, mm-hmm. all of these are things that we have to think about so we can make uh, not just our company successful, but our customers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my day as a leader is different. And that is really what I enjoy the most about this. My, my role as a leader within this company is I have the opportunity to interact directly with our customers to enjoy very much to senior leadership within the company and with my team. And in this position as the operations and supply chain lead, I also have the opportunity to interact with the teams that are building the hardware in our factories. Honestly, the most fun part about this stuff, and, and it really is a fast-paced environment. And I, I really attribute that to the ability to develop new skill sets and to keep growing.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking of, you've been working for RTX for 14 years and your career trajectory is really great to look at and inspiring. You were a test engineer, product line managers for space products, factory manager and beyond. It's constantly evolving. So I'm really curious to just know what you like the most about working at RTX and what has made you really want to stick it out there and, and evolve at RTX.
1: That's a great question, and I can summarize it this one sentence, and I think it really is the opportunity to solve problems mm. i I grew up as a as a physicist, as a scientist, I had the opportunity to do research throughout my undergraduate and graduate degrees so it's it's in my nature to want to solve problems, and if you have that skill set there's there have been so many opportunities within the company i've you know one of my uh, first managers uh, anytime he would introduce me he would say lyra loves challenges which is correct but (laughs) it, it really comes down to having the opportunity to solve problems and if you know my career started as a test engineer and I was in that department for nine years working in our factories, owning the test processes for uh, many important programs. And it wasn't until that tenth year that I transitioned to more of a senior lead- leader within the company. but I still get to solve problems. So I, this uh, this company, and the various people I have worked for have allowed me to go find problems and solve them. And in the process, I've been able to be new skill sets. And that's really why I've stayed with the company. And I am looking forward to many more years within the same environment. Because mm-hmm. when you take that challenge of wanting to solve problems, learning from them, you come out as a winner too. So I see mm. that as a win-win because you help you help solve your problem, you help the company, you help our customers, and you're also developing your resume, right? Mm. Which is very important when you want to be relevant and especially in this field.
0: It sounds like RTX is a company that really... Uh, wants to foster your growth and lean into your strength. So if your strength is problem solving, they see that and they and they want to help you grow in that arena.
1: Absolutely. And I, I also want to say that I think being part of the operations team when you're in a manufacturing environment, you know that there is going to be something that isn't quite right on mm. a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so I always encourage Um, early career engineers to think about starting in our factories. Uh, Most of them Hmm. want to go straight into design, (laughs) uh, which is very understandable, but the opportunity to work in a very diverse, cross-functional environment, and and that's how I would describe our factories, Mm -hmm. gives early career employees the opportunity to expand and grow their network and that ability to solve problems as they come up on a daily basis. So that, that's one of the benefits of working in operations. And again, I, I encourage early career engineers
0: to, to take that challenge. Not to mention, if perhaps your goal is to become a leader, it always helps. The most effective leaders I find are the ones who really understand the mechanics of how everything works top to bottom. So for you, that must have impacted the way that you lead because you understand uh, the execution of these roles on every level.
1: Absolutely, and like I said, the way we have our factory structure, you are working with engineers of many different fields. We have Mm -hmm. manufacturing engineers, we have test engineers, we have industrial engineers, We have the design engineers, and you you also have the assembly and test technicians. It is a very diverse environment. And Mm -hmm. having the ability to work with people that have different backgrounds, different experiences uh, is definitely key if you want to go down the leadership path, which Mm -hmm. you don't need to have leader in your name to, to lead the team. But if your chosen field and your aspiration is to be a senior leader within the company, that is a great opportunity for you to hone in that emotional intelligence
0: Mm. and
1: those people skills that will help you.
0: Mm -hmm. And speaking of these diverse environments and backgrounds and perspectives, being a, a female leader in a male dominated industry that can present. Some challenges, as many of our listeners can relate to, on on a few different levels. How have you specifically navigated overcoming that bias throughout your engineering career?
1: Yeah, to be honest, it and this is what this is my advice. It it's not it's not easy, not all the time. But what I've learned is that you do get stronger, and you if you to keep working through some of those challenging situations. Um, you, you have the ability to understand how to overcome some of those as, as you progress in your career. But I, I do want to share a story because I think this is really what helped me learn some of those nuances of how to deal with some of this. But I clearly remember um, it was probably my first year with the company. Um, you know here i am right right out of college early career engineer female in a in an area that was male dominated and there were a couple of instances where i would be ignored i would ask a question and it was completely ignored it was this particular um it's actually a technician he would not address me and i my at this particular for this particular situation, my boss was standing there right next to me, hmm. and he was seeing this unfold. And I I don't know what made me do this, but what I did, Sam, is I kept asking the question, and I asked it until he answered.
0: Good for you. And
1: <laughs> my boss was laughing after and saying how impressed he was because he saw it how I would not let that embarrassing situation of somebody completely ignoring you mm. and I just kept trying and mm. so after that I said you know what I'm not going to let somebody's bias or behavior prevent me from achieving my goals so just having that opportunity to, to go to that very uncomfortable situation and and finding a way to deal with it, that taught me that, you know, I I can do this. And what I've learned is that not every situation requires that response. Right. But that if you keep trying different approaches,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that that you will keep overcoming some of those. And You know, what i found that as I've progressed in my career and now in a role as a senior leader is that now I have the ability to confront people about it directly. Mm -hmm. When I was early career, I didn't feel like I had that power Mm. and I had to go about it in different ways. But now that I'm a senior leader within the company and I'm in situations where I feel this is happening,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've gone directly to that person or people and said, "This is not okay." Mm. Um, and, and now I understand that everybody is in that situation, but right. you know, hopefully this serves as an example that um, you can overcome these situations, and mm. that one, you're not alone. Yeah. And two, I've I've talked to some of my workers that have been in the situations, and that's also what's allowed me to put a couple of more tricks under my sleeve so that when I'm faced with situations like this, I have a couple of options as to how to respond.
0: Mm-hmm. I just really love what you said about not letting someone else's behavior prevent you from going after your goals. I feel like I need to print that and frame it and put it somewhere very visible in my home because. <laughs> that fear. And, you know, again, the the theme of this conversation that we're having is about risk-taking, but sometimes, especially when you're still ascending, you're climbing the ranks and someone is making you feel small. It can be easy to cower to that, but, you know, so much of what we've talked about today is, is finding that that strength to take up space, even when it feels scary. Yeah.
1: Taking that seat at the table. And I, this was something that um, a mentor, a female mentor told me earlier in my career, because he would come into a room where there's a big table and then there's chairs next to the wall and I would never take a seat at the table and she said, mm. take the seat at the table, right? Take space. Mm. So, yeah, in, and this is where the practice comes into place, right? It's not going to feel very comfortable at first, but what's the worst that can happen?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, Lyra, you've shared so many gems, so much wisdom throughout this conversation. But before we let you go here, for someone who is listening right now, who is inspired by your story, and I I can't see how they wouldn't be because so much of what you shared is inspiring, but maybe they're on the cusp of doing something brave. They're taking a risk at work, maybe having a difficult conversation with a higher up or gunning for that higher paying role, going back to school, whatever that hurdle or challenge may be what advice would you give to that person
1: yeah that's a great question but just two things first of all be kind to yourself and i have to remind myself of this one because sometimes i'm not but i have to check myself and and tell me that i have to be kind to myself so be kind to yourself. There are very real challenges that we face and it's okay to feel however you feel. That's the first part of my advice. Second Mm -hmm. part of my advice is going back to that question of what's the worst thing that can happen. Think about think about that. It helps you put things in perspective. And if you go through that exercise and see that there's learning that you can accomplish. So that challenge to that opportunity, even if the answer you receive is no, mm. you've you've learned something, right? Maybe you'll do that different next time. Uh, but in, along along that, find somebody to practice. Have somebody pretend that they're your boss and that you are about to go ask for a race or ask for a promotion,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: And in practice, so I would say be kind to yourself, practice, 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 and really put things in perspective by thinking, what's the worst thing that can happen? And nine times out of 10, that makes people flip that switch and go into Mm that aha moment, that's worth it to just go do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Lyra this conversation has been so meaningful and impactful thank you so much again Lyra Reza of RTX for taking the time to speak with us today
1: well thank you Sam I'm really glad for this opportunity and like I said at the beginning to part of this wonderful community this was great thank you
0: I'm Sam East and from all of us at SWE thank you for listening We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with your social network. You can visit podcast.swe.org to keep up with our episodes and learn more about how the Society of Women Engineers empowers women to achieve their full potential as engineers and leaders.